very cosy. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we're kind of back. No? Yeah, we're kind of back. We are kind of back. We are back. First podcast together as parents. Oh. Um, and boy, has it been a 15 months and a half. Yeah. So much so, I was talking about you on the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> and you can tell by Chelsea's yawning. Yeah. She's been working harder than ever. Yeah. It's true. Okay. We're going to get to all of that. We're going to get to Chelsea's brand new mega job. Um, catch up on uh, this not being two base hit, but all the things that have happened since that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a nonstop barrage of people asking for that to come back. So we'll, we will have to bring that back. Um, I will say that I'm on an absolute mission right now with the YouTube channel. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's actually going out on a dedicated podcast channel now. All the podcasts related to me and to us when we do things together are all happening on the new podcast channel. So go subscribe to that. Also subscribe to the main channel. The goal is 100,000 followers by, subscribers rather, by April. Just a little layover towards a million by the end of the year. And what do they get if you reach 100,000 by April? Well, I did mention this, actually. bake a cake. Well, I said when the vlog was in existence, because it was the whole Hello Coffee Drinkers thing, that if we hit half a million, Mm -hmm. I'd drink a cup of coffee. That is the most expensive cup of coffee. (laughs) A cup of coffee that costs 500,000 subscribers? Yeah, I don't know about that. Wow. I think that should be 100,000. A few people were into it, but of course we never hit 500,000, and that was in 2017. Mm. Yeah, because that's not a good enough... You got to like, you know, sell your left arm or something. I'm not doing any of that. You know people sell parts of their body for advertising, like for tattoos now? For extortionate amounts of money? Why are we talking about this? Because you're talking about selling my left arm to okay, get half a I million subscribers. I meant like subscribe. a Federa or something, not like... I don't have any Federas left. Yeah, that's sad. I'm out of Federa. You're just now... Now she's just looking around my studio. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot we don't have them anymore. <laughs> now she's just looking around my studio. For, you're looking around my studio for stuff to sell regardless of how many subscribers I get. That's true. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, let's talk Disney, my favorite subject. You asked me here. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I'm actually really excited to talk about it. It was it was interesting, like, we just had dinner with your parents tonight. First real, like, full family, West Coast family hang in a very long time. Oh, yeah. Uh, some people meeting Lily for the first time. She was a bit of a superstar. She was. She kicked ass. Is she going to be a vice player or what? Oh, my God. Oh. It was a little... A little eerie, honestly. It was. a little weird. She was was too good. Hitting melodies and resolutions and... Well, I was kind of helping her with that. It was really the technique of the... She nailed the center of the bar every every time. time. Like, she didn't miss a (laughs) single note. It was very strange. I'm glad I was rolling tape for that. Yeah, me too. We have that. It was cute because Chelsea's Chelsea's dad, for anyone who doesn't know, Chelsea's dad is a drummer and a a tuned percussionist, plays vibes, marimba, all, all kinds of it. Like, he has a lot of instruments back there in the studio. Oh, yeah. We have, we've always had vibes and marimba, full drum set, piano, There's congas. Timpani, congas he, he said a bongos. pandemic gift to himself was that he brought the, bought the Louis Conte uh, conga set mm-hmm. during the pandemic. I didn't realize Louis, Louis Conte was one of his teachers back in the day. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but the lineage of your family in Disney goes back kind of far. It does. Um, in that... I was trying to come up with a joke and it didn't happen. Come on. Um, Do you want time to think about it? No, no, no. I was going to say, no. It's, no, they're not good jokes. Um, I was my, meant to have the dad jokes. It wasn't a dad joke. Okay. The cat is poking around and she's distracting me. Okay. Hi, kitty. Okay. Um, okay, so yes. <laughs> we are off the rails. My, <laughs> first five minutes. body parts selling. Uh. Okay, so my parents met working at Disneyland. Right. My dad was a drummer there for 15 years, and my mom did various characters and parades and stunt shows and all sorts of cool stuff. Right. Um, so back in the day at Disneyland, there were no rules like <laughs> there are now. About fraternizing? <laughs> no. Oh. oh. <laughs> I mean rules about like your children sitting backstage and watching you. Oh, while you so work you're all day, allowed to hang out. I, hang I was out allowed with, to. Uh, no, no, as 
cast members, you were allowed to hang out with each other, fraternize, shall we say. That is still completely not what I'm talking about. I know. Okay. That was what I was talking about. I was just making sure that you could actually do that back in the day and that your parents weren't breaking the rules by having you. You can still do that now, and many people do. Okay. Anyway. Are we naming names? No. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah. Okay, go on. Go on. Name names? I meant about people now. Yeah, Ryan and Noel. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lots and lots of people. Also, their parents also met working at Disneyland. It's really, we're just like an incestual cult down there. I'm going to be real. Anyway, my parents joined the cult. They had me. (laughs) um, And back then, there was not as much micromanagement as there is today. So they got to bring me to work every day, which meant I literally grew up at Disneyland um, like my daycare, basically. The, I mean, um, from like a really young age, right? Like literally zero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I was eight, six or eight weeks old the first time I went. Um, and I thought Lily went young. Yeah, I beat her by like two weeks. She was there at eight <laughs> weeks, though. Eight weeks? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a very cute picture of my dad holding me backstage as a tiny little baby. And um, yeah, so that was my childhood, kind of, mm. was... Just being raised by Disney musicians and dancers and stage managers and sound techs and stuff like that. So um, it's funny being at family events, like as an outsider here, meeting all those people mm-hmm. and seeing how varied the list of positions they held were. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's nice to kind of have that sort of variety in my life as something that's always been a constant, you know, like there's a, there's a, dancer friend of ours who's also um a crazy so if you've ever seen a fireworks show at disneyland there's very often uh tinkerbell will sometimes jump out of the matterhorn (laughs) and fly on a rope to the castle and that is one of my parents best friends one of the women who does that and her i met tinkerbell at a wedding (laughs) (laughs) not many people can say that i met Tinkerbell at a wedding, yes? Yes. And uh, her husband is a very esteemed sound guy. Oh, yeah. And um, their kids both worked in parades growing up at Disney. Oh. So it's it really just, once you're in the cult, it's hard to leave. And you worked there. I did. A long time. I mean, like, I came to see you play there, Ellis Island Boys, I think, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Playing yeah. upright and singing and doing all kinds of stuff. When Lily was born and we took, yeah, we took her at eight weeks old, you were playing. Mm -hmm. Eight weeks out of the hospital and you were up on stage rocking out doing the holiday holiday season. But now, I'm so excited for you to tell people about this. Come on. Oh, haven't you told them? No, oh, I was oh, waiting. Sorry. I, I, no, I, oh, I wanted to... I didn't to, realize this was the big reveal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't okay. want to burst your bubble for you. So now I am the associate music producer for Disney Live Entertainment. Worldwide. Which means, yes, which <laughs> means that for every theme park, uh, cruise ship, um, resort, whatever, Aulani and Hawaii, all of these things, my department... Um, Makes the music happen, right. basically, for literally everything. And we're talking about Tokyo, Shanghai, Paris, Orlando, uh, Anaheim, you know. Yes. There is another team um, similar to ours in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And they, together, we kind of split up the the extra events, like on the cruise ships and things like that. Right. Um, they tend to kind of do the Paris stuff and the Orlando stuff. And then we do LA, Tokyo, Shanghai, um and hong kong oh that's right yeah wow so it's a a lot of work for a very small team i'm the there's a principal music director who is my boss there's um the managing producer who does some producing definitely but he's also kind of the office manager who's worked there for 30 years he just knows everything and then there's two music producers who are on the ground just doing everything they can. And then there's me who kind of, um, I wouldn't even say I'm a catch-all. They've kind of been throwing me some cool stuff. Uh, yeah, some really specific stuff, actually. Yeah, I think it's more that um, because there's so much going on that is sustained, like there's 
music groups that have to have rehearsals year long and they're hiring new people and having auditions all the time. Um, the other two music producers are focused on that stuff right. all the time. It's insanely busy. They're in rehearsals. They're in overnight rehearsals. And so what kind of was happening was the special event stuff was the stuff that people didn't have time to do. Right, um, which is what you started doing like right away. Yeah. so that, Huge events for thousands of people. Yeah. So that was kind of my <laughs> my first – they threw me in the deep end in the, the strongest sense of that phrase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it was exactly what I love to do. I got a lot of creative control and got to work with super cool people. Um, my very first job that I did with live musicians was with a 14 piece jazz band. Um, Susan Egan, who was the original Belle on Broadway in Beauty and the Beast Mm. and also the voice of Meg from Hercules and, um, John Stamos. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of random. Yeah. So it was... And John Stamos playing drums, right? He did. He was the MC of the event. And then he also played drums on a chart that I arranged. Mm. Um, oh, and four vocalists on that gig, too, who were yeah. ridiculously talented. So, yeah. I think what a lot of people listening who aren't affiliated with Disney, and I know for myself, I had no idea about this. Even though I'd heard the stories of like Marienthal, Eric Marienthal, mm-hmm. like literally getting the call in the band room from Chick Corea to join the electric band. Yeah. Like that was, I, that was my only real thing that I knew about Disney. I was like, whoa. So like some cool people actually came out of that, but the depth and the sheer volume of musicians that are there is outrageous. Yeah. I mean, it is like a massive source of employment in Southern California. Right? It is. And it's one of the best. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it on and off has been one of the best place for musicians. One of the best places for musicians to work because there is, There are so many opportunities amongst the many bands that we have. Like if you're a sax player, there's like six different groups that you can play in. So even if you're just a sub in all of those groups, the likelihood that you'll be working a lot is pretty high. Mm. Um, So, yeah, we do get a lot of feed from the local colleges. You know, there's USC and UCLA and all the Cal State schools. And um, we get a lot of people who move to L.A. to make it. Right. And end up getting a job at Disney as kind of their side hustle. And it, it's great because sure. it's like a regular employment. It's regular employment. It's union right. work. Keep so jobs together. Yeah. And it's, it's fun. It's very different. It's working in a theme park is different than anything else. It has some like almost negative connotations when you just say the job title. Yeah. That's why I'm kind of, I want to make people aware. Like the thing with like cruise ships and like there are certain things that like have a negative connotation to them that actually have some positive attributes. I think they do in general. Like when I say theme park, I hate calling Disney a theme park because it's really not. It's really not a theme park. There are theme parks. (laughs) But it is above. You're saying it's like in a league above a theme park, right? Because it's so diverse, or what? Yeah, I mean, when I say theme park, I think of like Six Flags. Yeah, or not. not yeah, yeah, Knott's Berry Farm. I yeah. think Six Flags is a little more universal. Sure. For, uh, what's the one in T T T in Copenhagen? Huh. Oh, Tivoli Gardens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, wow. anyway, theme parks to me are like that. They're like a little dirty. You're probably going to eat some <laughs> cotton candy that you don't know where it how, how A little it's more carnival there. than Hollywood. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. You're going to go on a ride that's probably going to make you puke. Oh. Um, yeah. Well, it's and kinda, if that doesn't, the food will have done. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so when I think theme park, that's what I think. Same thing with cruise. Like you think of a cruise, you think of. Princess Cruise or something or yeah, well, Royal Caribbean. I don't want to name names. Oh, you don't want to name um, names. Okay. I, I, I don't know anything about them. I've never done one. I, well, I think of like retirees or... Um, oh, the actual vibe of, yes. the, the, of the... Regardless of being a musician or not. Right, right, just right. the kind of people that go on cruises. Totally. Shit. And so the okay. Disney cruises, the Disney theme parks, quote unquote, aren't, are not like that. Right. They're completely different. Disneyland... It's also for, for families, right? So you get yeah. young people there. Mm-hmm. You know, when we go together, like as we have done a lot. <laughs> no, I'm, ki- I'm kidding. I'm, yeah. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, it's kind of a crazy age range. It's like eight months to 80 years old, right? Yeah, it is. And that's, that's part of what makes it magical, really, mm. is that, that that age range can enjoy it for themselves, 
in so many different ways. There's just so much to offer. And um, the music is really everywhere. It's in all of those things. It's crazy, actually, that since you got the job, when we walk through the park now, I not only notice that there's music everywhere, but I'm like, hey, did you do that? (laughs) Is that you? Is that that your playlist? Is that your arrangement? It's like, did you write this tune? (laughs) Yeah, not yet. Pregunta. Question. Um, Do you remember your very first gig, freelance gig, in the park at Disney? Yeah, it was Ellis Island Boys. And do you know how old you were or when that was? 22. 22. So like three years ago. Okay. um. It was actually almost exactly a decade ago. Okay. So 22 years old, first gig. And... To, to me, it's crazy because you know everyone there. Like, you've played there so much, and just all of your gigging friends around Southern California also tend to have gigs there at mm-hmm. some point or another. Yeah. What's the biggest change coming into that? Like, hey, I'm the boss. Honestly, I was really nervous about that mm. because there's something about being um the camaraderie that comes from being in the gigging landscape mm-hmm. and you know that everyone is as in the trenches as you are right. none of us are each other's bosses so there's some camaraderie there like, that word that i just said yeah. did you oh my god <laughs> oh, anyway yes but with your comrades you are not okay comrade <laughs> I'm also not ignoring you with my phone. I've realized that we don't have our baby monitor on. And we are both downstairs. Oh, that's not good. We're both downstairs in my studio and Lily is hopefully sleeping. So I'm just firing up. Oh, and she's out. Great. That's good. That's good. I can. We're good. Oh, Uh. she's so cute. (laughs) Look at her little nugget. So normally, okay. (laughs) Normally you're upstairs and I'm downstairs. So there's one of us close by and I always have the thing on blasting like... I think he's affecting me psychologically. <laughs> That's he's <laughs> what he's mimicking the white noise machine. It's yeah. not like we have a radio from 1935. Oh no, the- <laughs> no, I'm not trying to get Radio Berlin over yeah, here like no. pirate. No, okay, yeah. So the camaraderie. Now that we've said that word three times, sorry. Okay, so yes, when you call your friends for a gig, yeah, you're still not even their boss. You're just their homie who got them a gig. And As an employee like you are now or before you mean? I mean in the freelance world. In the freelance world, yeah. Yes. I got you. So I was a little nervous about stepping into a role with all of these musicians who have always known me as one of their peers. Right. And I'm a lot younger than a lot of them. Uh-huh. I have a lot less um, experience sort of in, in certain things. I think the one thing that does really help is how much – Disney experience I have mm-hmm. and how much uh, varied experience I have. Um, but there are, are jazz musicians at the park that could play circles around me. They're just insane, insane musicians and such great people. And so there's also a range of age and like experience there yeah. as well. Like there are older musicians in their 60s still yeah. playing there. Like, yes. yeah, okay. And yeah. as young as like you were at early 20s. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. College 20, age. Yeah. 19. There's right. little, okay. yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people that I literally grew up in this business with. Right. And uh, I think the the one thing that made me take a huge sigh of relief, gave me a sigh of relief, was that I heard over and over from those people, um, we're so glad that it's you that was in that position because we know it's someone that we can trust. Gotcha. And not even trust to watch their backs or trust to know what's what they need but you know they said someone we trust yeah and they've who been knows around what, you what's what like yeah. we trust that you know what you're doing and you've experienced all the downsides that they hate and you can do something about that right and i'm just turning off the heater here why couldn't because it's really loud and i only just remembered it's on and it's warm down here it's not it's freezing ah, you've got a big blanket and a dog to keep you warm <laughs> Um, okay, so that's a awesome. That's kind of an awesome perspective on it. Can I tell a little bit of the story of uh, your uh, like part of your interview where you were on the Zoom call? Sure. Like when we talk, when you when you say <clears throat> like you have Disney experience, I don't think people understand 
quite how much Disney experience you have. Oh Lord! Um, so because Are you outing me right now? Not at all. I'm, this is. <laughs> I think this was. I've. I have thought about this so often since you told it to me. Okay. Since you told me this is what happened um, in one of your many. In, uh, this was a really long oh, process. Lord. I mean, we should talk about this for a second, just to give context of like you started middle of May of 2022. Yeah. But when did you first start even thinking about applying for the job? Like months before that, right? I heard about the job in August of 2021. Okay. And I applied for it in September when I was two weeks away from giving birth to Lily. Right. And I didn't get the job until she was seven months old. Right. And there was it was a long process. Yeah, there were uh, interviews. I mean, I didn't hear anything back from them. I thought that they had just filled the position and moved on. And then suddenly in like... The end of March, the right. middle of March, it I got all sort of started a, a, an email that was like, hello, you've been selected as a potential candidate for this right. job. And for I the end like, of the <gasps> process. But there were still multiple people. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like they'd gone through hundreds of people already and whittled it down to a few. And then was it you and like two other people right at the end? Mm, yeah, but I, I mean, there were like 20 people left when I did an HR call. And then I went through the first oh, round yeah, of interviews sure. and that was another t- 10 people. And then, yeah, it was me and I think... One or two other people. Right. So um, I think some of these other people that uh, would be fair to say that these other people who interviewed along with you at the same time were Disney fans. And I think maybe uh, claimed to be Disney fans. Well, they were they were like, hey, I'm I'm really I love Disney. And I think, yeah, that's kind of essential for the gig. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the comments I remember was like uh, you were on the Zoom call, multiple people. And I think towards the end of one of the interviews or wherever it was, you stopped and, and maybe the person's, let's call him Steve. Or I don't know. I don't know who it was, John. Or it doesn't matter who it is. And you just said that person, hey, John, are you sitting like the guy's completely blacked out sitting on a chair with no identifying characteristics anywhere in the frame? <laughs> and Chelsea says, um, John, whoever it was. It was John, actually. It, it, his name is John? <laughs> yeah. Okay, there you go. So, uh, John, are you sitting in the Hyperion Theatre? It was the Hyperion, right? Yeah. yeah. Apparently, he looked a little shocked, as did everyone else on the call. That's how Disney you are. <laughs> From a freaking low-light Zoom call with no identifying characteristics in the shot, you could identify the theater this person was sitting in. And I think the feedback was like, you, you other people might be Disney fans, but you're not anywhere close to understanding Disney like Chelsea does. Okay, well, I mean, let's tell the truth. The reason they said that was because in my first interview with who would be and are now my bosses, oh, yeah. um, th- at the end of it, they kind of said like, all right, go for it. Like, tell us why you should have this job. And I oh. instantly burst into tears. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, okay. Yeah, and I had this the really... Reality. I mean, you know how bad I am with names, so I can't remember who said this. Uh-huh. But... Um, in preparation for the interview, I had been on Disney Plus watching all of these and re-watching all of these documentaries. I remember. That were amazing, <laughs> yeah. though. They were no, no, so true, good. There's true. a whole documentary series on Imagineering, which I a thousand percent recommend if you haven't seen it. And there was one of the main Imagineers from back when Walt was still alive said something like, um, Disney is so important because as, as long as Disneyland exists, you'll know that everything is going to be okay. Like the feeling of Disneyland is so important because when you go in there, no matter what is happening in your life that mm-hmm. is tragic or um, horrific up. or whatever, it you can just put that all aside for a minute and have fun. And that yeah. and that is like soul healing, you know, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. kind of ability to just go experience people being nice to you and everyone is yeah. there to make memories and have a good time and um, that feeling has just permeated my entire life and you know i in my interview i was like you know my my life hasn't really always been a rosy place right and yet this like constant of disneyland in my life has changed me it's made me who i am and that like no matter what was going on outside of me i always felt like i knew that i would be okay Hmm. and um that's a pretty compelling way to interview like if i was was an interviewer i would be like 
I know, and that's I always know, but that's, the truth is always the most compelling thing, right. right? You know, but that's what that's yeah. It wasn't the Hyperion that made them say uh, that. It was like, oh no, yeah, Chelsea. Mm-hmm, okay, <laughs> <laughs> can you uh, start tomorrow? Yeah. Um, wow. So, uh, what a lot of people uh, don't know about you, and which I I have learned about you oh, over these almost six years now. Um, you like to stack your schedule. Oh God! Yeah, you're one to talk. But hey, no, I'll, I'll like I will happily admit I'm the same way. That's maybe something we uh, have in common. Um, but it's not like you took your foot off the gas with other projects. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. I mean, yeah, okay, you did. You, I did, you, but you this, had to, this but... job is like ten times what my other projects used to be. And in terms and of I'm, workload, yes, yeah, oh, and I am continuing to do things on the outside. Anyway, little things, but like your little things are going in and orchestrating for like Chloe and Hallie and whoever else you've been working with Beyonce and all these people. Um, I guess my first question is like, how much do you, how much do you miss the freedom versus uh, how much do you not miss the, well, I don't know when the next one's going to be, you know, that call for session for studio work is like, some people it's every day because yeah. they've been doing it for 40 years, but you haven't, I haven't. We know a lot of people don't, but you do big things. But sometimes they're like a month or two between the calls. Oh, yeah, or more. Or more even, yeah. I mean, you know, that that classic thing of you're, one day you're on the steps of Versailles, like playing with <laughs> John Bon Jovi, and then the next day you're like doing this shitty restaurant gig for Can I get bucks. my it's, rent for the idea yeah, of the Yeah, it's like the yeah. life of a musician. So, yeah, I've I've been living that life for a really long time my first gigs out of college were so cool and then i instantly went into playing nine fifty dollar gigs a week f- mm-hmm. after that for years so um anyway shockingly <laughs> i am a hundred percent happier where i am now than where i was then amazing i think i would miss the freedom more if we didn't also have a child which is kind of clouding how much my lack of free time is because of my job and how much of it is because mm, we have a kid. Okay. So I don't really know where the line is there. So if we were, you know, childless, mm. it might be a little bit of a different landscape. Yeah, but at the same time, my job is shockingly flexible. For yeah, true. The, the workload, yes, gets intense, but very similar to being a freelancer. I kind of go through weeks of insane amount of work and then i'll have a week or two where i'm yeah it's pretty crazy i mean i knew this because you played gigs there since Mm -hmm. we were together but even more so now that you're running a lot of these things um what a lot of people might not know is that at disney um the park is open from like seven in the morning until 10 at night or something like that it varies but usually it's somewhere around 8 a.m to 10 p.m 8 a.m to 10 p.m so basically anything new that has to go up can't be rehearsed between those hours right because there's people there and you can't they can't see it yeah they can't see it so there are things called overnights Mm. and these happen all the time it's the only time things can be and they have to be rehearsed in the place they're going to be performed Right, right. Because how are you going right. to? You, you can't can just run things all you want right, in you, the in a, in a soundstage warehouse. Or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's like choreography, and there's that car thing that has to be driven, like all kinds of things for that one. For that one, yeah. yeah. There's, um, but there's just so there's, many. Yes, there's so variations. many parts. Right, moving yeah. parts. Yeah, you know, marching band. It's not just on a stage somewhere. Exactly. Even though there are some stage shows. And even the stage shows have other elements to them. It feels like oh, people going God. out into the crowd. Absolutely. And, yeah. So. Sometimes your work hours are immensely undesirable when your call time. For most people. For mo- <laughs> ah, the, the night hermit. Of <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I'm like, we put Lily to bed. I was about to say put Chelsea to bed. We put Lily to bed. I wish. <laughs> at like eight o'clock and then sort of twiddle our thumbs for three hours and then Chelsea goes to work. Yeah. And doesn't come back until five or six in the morning when the sun's coming up. And LA traffic is already back on the road. the worst. You do get the worst part of that then coming. Yeah, but there's honestly, I love overnights. I hate what they do to us. I hate what they do to my health most of the time. But when I'm there, I think it's also very much how you feel about traveling in the sense that 
when you're thinking about it, you're dreading it. Uh-huh. And then you get there and you're like, oh, I'm in my element. Like I'm yeah. owning this right now. And, I mean, yeah, you've seen that in me since we've been right. together. I literally do not want to leave the house. Yeah, you get literally nauseous, like physically nauseous. Yeah, I'm just like walking around kind of gaunt. Yeah, and he mopes. I do mope those last few hours. Or the night The night before is the worst because I normally have an early flight because I fly out of Burbank mm. all the time now. So the night before is the worst. You get a shit night of sleep. And then, uh, and then bing bong. It's like that first, You, get, I walk on the plane and bing bong. <gasps> forgets he has a wife at home no, forgets he has a kid no, screaming come on. She, i'm kidding um i totally do no um i'm kidding <laughs> no i don't but there is something that that like you said a switch that gets flipped once you get in it yeah um so when i'm there it's it's one of the most fun creative parts of the process because mm. all the Everything has been lined up. Everyone's in costume. Right. All the rehearsals or the two weeks of rehearsals you just did are coming to fruition. Right. Because you do and rehearse off campus and then put it into dress rehearsals there, we or have, overnight. We have rehearsal halls right. at Disney right. backstage. And so, yeah, we usually do two full weeks of that. And then, yeah, the, the overnight is the only time we have as, as dress rehearsal. So for me, there's a an insanely magical quality of being inside the parks with no one else in them. In the I was going to say, like, that's something nobody gets to see, really. Yeah. Like, the, of the millions of people that go there, a fraction of 1% actually gets to see, whoa, this place. Like, I've never been there overnight with you. I'm not even sure I'm allowed to. You, I doubt you will be. Yeah. Yeah. But the amount of things that happen to make Disneyland the place it is, it's jobs that don't exist anywhere else mm. because the people you see, I mean, yeah, like there are people out there power washing the <laughs> roads and right. like the janitor team has kind of already gone home though because right. they picked up all the trash, they go to sleep. But the people who come out in the middle of the night are like the specialty painters who right. are fixing up like Pinocchio's face outside of the ride. And the <laughs> horticulture team is insane. That's true, yeah. They replace flowers every single day to make sure that they look great. And then they take the ones that are kind of the plants that aren't doing so well and they take them back and they revitalize them and then they bring them out and replant them. So really what you're seeing out there is just these artisans of right. insanely cool different uh backgrounds yeah um, yeah disciplines yeah this. um so yeah when you're walking through you know I, I very often like to go in my overnights in the back of disneyland and i walk from small world through the back of the castle and there's it's so cool to just walk through there and then look around and there's just like gardeners everywhere with like right. flowers hanging from trucks and it's like you know, it's really cold and it's two o'clock in the morning and I always have my favorite Starbucks. I'm just like, <laughs> damn, this is cool. Yeah. yeah sorry, I'm a fucking dork. Anyway, are we <laughs> talking about music, right? What were you talking about? No, this is, I, it's just a whole other uh, lane of awareness that opened up to me where watching you do this thing. I mean, something I'm incredibly pr- proud of you for and you. very happy for you that you're doing it. And I see it brings you a, an incredible amount of joy as tough as it is sometimes and as insanely hectic as our lives are right now, it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination. So that deserves even more respect. It's just opened up this whole thing of where like corporate meets music that I've never witnessed from kind of the inside via your, you know, via Well, your I had story. never experienced it either. So. Sure. <laughs> I think most musicians, yeah. the closest they get is playing like corporate gigs. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, but never actually being inside the corporate structure of healthcare and dental care and vision and all these other things that go with it and four hundred one ks and like the actual corporate America, right? Um, and I will say it's very different. Um, I'm glad I have the experience of working with some artists who it's kind of like their way or the highway, okay? Quite literally, like you might do a bunch of work, uh-huh. and um. And they'll say, nope, I don't want it that way anymore. And they toss it out. And it's f- well, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's very different. Oh, she's just out of I camera know. shot, but her shadow is in the in the camera now. <laughs> Hi, Charlotte. Charlotte's come, come to join the us. The kitty just jumped on the couch. 
Hi, baby. Yeah, anyway. Go what? Go on. Oh. Um, it's very different when it's one person making all those decisions and you know that they are maybe a little eccentric or a diva or something. Um, it's kind of easier to be less emotionally attached to whatever you just worked on because yeah. it's like, oh, well, of course they don't like it. All right, whatever. We'll move on and do the next thing. Okay. But in a corporate environment, you can't trust. It isn't one person making all the shots, calling okay. all the shots. It's a bunch of people who might not know what they're doing okay, or might be really high up in the company, but um, you don't always agree with, with what they think sure. and you can't do anything about it. Right. And they might decide that, you know, my, uh, my coworker just made a great example of, um, he just, he said that they will always sacrifice sound for prettiness. Wow. And okay. if there is, um, a great speaker system for a group, but they can't find a way to hide it well enough, mm. then they will trash that in favor of something that fits the that same. fits whatever they that might, need might, and it might not be as high quality but it could ruin like the whole vibe of the show wow. that i'm not saying that happens all the time obviously they have a standard that they but there's a mandate and the mandate is visual over it's not a mandate it's just kind of how the company lately gotcha. has functioned gotcha. um so that kind of thing is tough it's not really this also must be the first time you're working with not just the team, because a band can be a team or a production crew. Like when you work with Beyonce and all those people, there are a lot of different moving parts, engineer, arranger, producer, orchestrator, band. But this must be the first time you're working with so many teams, like multiple teams working on the same thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think that's the big difference is that when I'm on a project like that, everyone's kind of, for the most part, doing the music side of things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I might work with lighting or... Uh, choreography or um no uh yes choreography but mm -hmm. also props props like okay. stuff like that yeah but with this gig i am the music representative on a team uh, for an event or a show that is doing every element of that show mm -hmm. so we have operations we have lighting we have audio we have um props props we have the art team um the you know the producer the production manager the stage managers it's, <laughs> it's a massive team it's literally everything you can think of yeah. for a show food sometimes right um so that's that's the real interesting part i'm like the music representative who has to figure out how my part of things fits into this giant puzzle of creating this and that's how they huge do experience and that's how they do everything everything right? <laughs> like everything is approached with this huge like phalanx of just like yeah like, and because of that me and the producer team we never really work together mm. because there's one music producer on every project okay we're the representatives of our group of our department right so the only time we're really working together is if something we're doing crosses over um an example is john yeah. he is the music producer for the dapper dans which is the very famous barbershop quartet uh -huh. that's been at disneyland forever um and i just wrote a chart for the disneyland band the marching band there that would feature the dapper dance and so i got to work with john on that chart to make sure that it was gotcha. you know kosher for what they do yeah um but yeah it's not like we're really doing things together ever we're not we're not both working on the same arrangement or anything like that for the most part you know it was funny this weekend what? This came as a, a shock to me. You're like, hey, I've got this gig. I need to practice the next couple of days. <laughs> yeah. This Okay, ladies and gentlemen, the only time Chelsea says she needs to practice is when it's a classical gig. Wow, thanks. Call out. <laughs> I'm serious. And I, I totally understand that as well. There's something about classical music. There's no room for error. There's no. not like, oh, yeah, I'll just slide into this. No, it's like really specific notation articulation right yeah i mean well also with jazz like it's something that you're 
preparedness depends on how long you've been playing jazz, really, or how much you experience you have. Mm-hmm. The preparedness happened a long time ago and continues to happen all the time. For jazz for you. Yes. Yeah. I think in general. Mm-hmm. But in classical music, you're playing what's on the page. You don't right. get to influence at all, really, what you're doing. Yeah, very little. Yeah. Yeah. So Interesting. I have to learn the part. You know you're flipping me off, right? Oh, sorry. I was not... <laughs> It's not intentional, just... <laughs> I thought you were just suddenly like, God, this... No. Wow. I mean, I just, I didn't know. No. Maybe you were trying to give me some... Signals? Yeah. Like, like you just shut up. <laughs> I know I asked you on this podcast, but you're I talking asked way you. too much. I asked you. <laughs> Why would I tell you to shut up? Anyway, classical music. Yeah, just, it's always funny to me when, like, you say, oh, I got to practice. I mean that lovingly. I'm not mm. mocking. I'm not mocking you for that because <laughs> on that on that side of things, we are that could not be more opposite. I think in in terms of that, like it's weird. And I wish and maybe it's something that will change for me. It, it was, you know, making this new video about the bases I've played over my career, which I'm still producing for the main channel um, and filming and editing right now. It's it's interesting to to remember how much of a security blanket a specific instrument was for mm, me yeah. for the longest time. That was my first Federa, and then the second Federa, which was ended up being a signature instrument, was initially only meant to be a backup instrument because I was like, I'm totally screwed if this mm. something happens to the first one. And thankfully, I got myself out of that. Like, I can pick up any bass now and just go play whatever I want and still sound like me. But I wonder if I'll ever get like that at some point with the practicing, you know. I can't remember what it was recently, but there was something silly I had to do, like very low key. And I was like, oh, I've got to practice for a week for that. It's something like technically I didn't really. It's like Matheny, I think, has the most extreme version of that. Like I remember interviewing a long time ago, doing an interview with him and him saying, uh, oh, we showed up the first day to play. We were going to re- we recorded some duets for this radio show, and we were doing three days with him. I think it was, and we showed up, and I had my bass, and I was like super excited. It's my biggest hero of all time. I get to play with Pat Metheny. Oh my god! And um, we show up, and we start setting up, and I get my bass out, and he looks lower, like what's going on? I'm like, oh shit, is this not happening? And uh, the other producer on the thing was like, Oh yeah, we're going to do the duets today. He's like, Oh no, you didn't tell me. I didn't warm up. And the other producer, Oh, not to go take your time. You know what I said? I said no, I need two hours. And he tells the story of going to his kid's school to play Mary Had a Little Lamb in the little school play and got up at seven in the morning and warmed up for two hours and walked a few blocks of the school. You know, I think that's a little bit more extreme. Um, yeah. But I, I, there's something about that. There's something about this feeling of being warm and ready to go, I, which all of that to say, it amazes me how effortless it is for you. You just pick up the bass and go play a gig. You might suffer a little bit afterwards with maybe a blister or you know, muscles are sore or something, but in the moment it doesn't ever seem to affect your playing or the gig. Like you get through the gig. I, mean, I think I'm also playing far less technically demanding gigs than you are. Okay, maybe, <laughs> but even so, that's like, you've got to be on stage for an hour and a half still. It doesn't matter if you're, you're playing Brown Eyed Girl and, you know, Mary Had a Little Lamb. I don't care. Or, you know, I think Countdown 26 too. It doesn't. I think something that is beneficial for all rhythm section players, but especially bass players, is that you learn to be a workhorse from day one because... Just because you work more as a bass player, you think, than most people? Well, that absolutely that, but also because you never stop playing in a whole song. Ah, I see. Sorry, yeah. No, definitely that too. Comping, but, yeah, you yeah. Know, like yeah, drums and bass normally. Right. You're, the horn's might play a soli and then someone might play a solo but they're even just a piano player or a guitar player can yeah, lay out and totally and you can't do that and then also you know in college i was in a bunch more classes than my friends because they needed a rhythm section right, for the right, vocal right, technique right. class and 100 um, percent. i was the same way yeah exactly oh, hey man can you do my ensemble how many times did people say that to yeah, us well, in and the amount of recitals i played oh my god oh my god was I that time of year the worst through... part of the season <laughs> i literally like and I, I never said no. Why didn't I say same, no? Same. I literally almost failed some classes. I hated those classes anyway. But I couldn't. By I didn't doing have stuff the, for other people, because I didn't yeah. have the time to yeah. force myself to do the work. Because yes. I was on freaking recital rehearsals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that is where that comes from. I mm, think. Interesting. Um, I put huh. in those years of 
practicing. Oh, shit. It only took me to being 44 years old to think of that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> to realize that. Yeah, that that's... I think I got to a point in college where I was just playing how I... Maybe not too much, but I was playing so much that I knew that I never had to play that much ever again. Right, right, right. Like, right. it just... I, I hit a point and I was like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing now. Hmm. Some of this, you know, feels kind of like driving. Like, it won't matter how long I stop. Yeah. When I start again, this level of my playing will always be there. Interesting. Driving is the is one of the things how Crook uses as an example. Like, you're driving along, a kid walks out in front of the car, you're going to hit the brake. Mm-hmm. Nothing is going to stop you from hitting the brake. Nothing. Everything is designed. Your, all of your experience is designed to hit the brake. You mm-hmm. will do that. Or you will swerve. You will do everything you can to avoid it. And his his goal is always to be like, that is how reactive you have to be with music. It has to be that natural. That you ne- you don't think. Yeah, there's that's a n- great way to put it. Cause that's- no time to think. Right. If you think, it's over. If you think, it's dishonest. If you think, it, you really. Because you've started to force some idea in there mm-hmm. and be like, oh, mm, mix it. Oh, oh, chromatic. Appro- oh, I could play an up. No. has to be instant or not at all. Yeah. And his other thing was... Maybe use the second thought that you have or right. the third thought. You know, I mean, it's a common thing amongst a lot of people. That's you know, a writing like, thing too. A writing, oh, mm-hmm. literary, you mean like mm-hmm. actual like, writing like, words? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah but I think I, that's a um, great way to put that because I think the level of bass that I play or the level of gigs that I do, the kinds of gigs I do, that is how I feel. Right. Like I've, I don't step in holes. I mm-hmm. don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't make common mistakes. I don't know. You don't randomly fall down my on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. And like it, I think because I was playing myself into the ground at that point, I learned how to do all these things on no sleep, mm-hmm. like multiple nights of no sleep in very high stress situations with a lot of pressure on me. And when you do that, it really does just become. Yeah. I got to say, you're. You are, you seem to only be stressed out in like leaving for the gig. I think it's fair to say you're quite. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm I, terrible I, at leaving on time. I, well, yeah. I mean, I don't want to like call you out on a podcast in front of thousands of people, but um, let me call you out on a podcast um, in front of thousands of people. No, uh, it's absolutely true. No, no. I'll I, pop up to that. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, sure. I, I think that's fair to say. You like generally run a little bit behind, and that is the bit that stresses you out. Like, yep. oh, I'm out of But once you're out of the house and you're on the run and getting on, you don't worry about that as far as I can tell, right? Unless it's a gig like this one. The ones that I practice for are the ones that, oh, the one that's will, coming up? that will freak me out. Uh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I don't remember the last time I was nervous Yeah, for a gig. Like, for like okay, I, I, I am nervous for you so much. Like, I don't think I've ever told you this, but... What? Yeah. Wow. I, I don't I, know if that's I, a... I sit here worrying for you on the gig, because the bass doesn't leave the gig bag from one month to the next. And But this, but I, I worry a little bit, and of course, as soon as I start to worry that, the thought comes in, that, oh no, she knows all these tunes. If she doesn't know the tunes, her ears are so freaking big that she's <laughs> going to know them by the first verse. Like, there are all those other things that I, of course, know about you, but I... I think it's because the approach is so different from mine yeah. and I don't, I just know what I know for so many years that to see that, like I've never been around another bass player this much, mm-hmm. let's say ever, yeah. you know, even though some of my best friends are bass players and I've spent time on the road and hanging, it's nothing like this. You don't see the inner workings of right. insert name of anyone, Tim Lefebvre, mm-hmm. Juan Adarete, you know, like wh- whoever, Nate East, I don't see the inner workings of them as well as I know them. Um, so it's, it's very, very interesting from my side to it's watch that. Very interesting. The I really like this car analogy, the driving and swerving okay. analogy, because I am a far better bass player, at least in my genres, my uh-huh. comfortable genres. I am a far better bass player when I've taken many weeks off of the instrument mm. than I am when I've been playing it nonstop. Wow. Because I get... Like your buffer gets full? My buffer gets full. I think the ADHD kicks in, oh. and it's not like. Are you not into it as much? Is there something it's like not that? that like, I'm not into it. It's that I really, my brain really feels like it can kind of start to turn off, even oh, if I'm having fun. Like the concentration thing. Yeah, oh, and okay. so when I'm 
a li- it, it really doesn't even feel like I'm rusty. It's that all of those instincts that are way deep in there are the first thing that happen. And on top of that, I have like the musical, my musical palette is very fresh and yeah, open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I start to like hear different things and do different things than I'm used to because I'm not falling into the same like, oh, I played this y- like yesterday. It's already in my head. I'm going to play it today. Then I play it the next day. Then I play it the fourth day. And Wow. It's very freeing. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> I've, I've, seriously, I've not thought about it that way. Hmm. And that's uh, that's gonna have me, that's gonna give me less anxiety for you when you oh, leave the Jesus house for a gig. Christ. This is awesome. <laughs> Thanks. It's all right now. You don't you don't leave the house for gigs so much anymore. I don't. No? But the irony that the one, the very first gig that your mother and your sister <gasps> are coming to see is oh, wow. this one that I'm nervous as shit about. So wow. So my family's gonna be there and everything. Great. Wow. Well, maybe that'll be one where they stay home and babysit and it'll just be me that comes That's out. That's worse. No, you stay home and babysit. They'll come. Wow. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. It's crazy how close I came to coming to your TV show. Oh my God, why do you bring that up? I love that. Chelsea used to be a musical director on a TV show and uh, a friend of mine was playing on it and I was like, oh, let me go down and check that out. And uh, I, I didn't go. It was a little while before we met. But I really wish I think back to that and really wish I'd done that. Now. I'm glad you didn't because it <laughs> might have changed everything. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Well, shit. I'll I be don't f- understand. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't have changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Siri, I'm glad I didn't I'm have so changed glad, everything as Siri. well. Thank you for oh, that's having an opinion. Oh, so good. Dear God. Okay. I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up on that. I didn't come and see you play on TV. You didn't. Here we are with a kind of awesome kid who's a vibes player at 15 months old. <laughs> Lord help us. I was praying for a piano player. Uh, she'll have to work on that as well if she plays vibes, for sure. I don't. If I she don't wants know. to work. <laughs> as long as she doesn't play drum set, for the love of God. Yeah. I already spent my whole life getting my around, ears around blown your, out. Around your dad, yeah. Well, I'm glad you... Um, for off the sleepiness and talked about your new job i was really excited to share that with everyone um and we'll bring back some two bass hit a little seasonal two bass hit at some point on the podcast channel if you're not watching on youtube go over to the yannick gustala podcast channel subscribe make sure you subscribe to the main channel we're going for a hundred thousand subscribers by april 2023 on the way to a million it's going to open some doors going to I mean, I get to come out there and play some real music for you. Woohoo. And hey, if you come watch on YouTube, you'll see an adorable dog. And a cute super cat. Super cute cat. Yeah. A couple of our dumb faces. Yeah. And slowly we're changing the studio around and making it. I'm going to get another boom stand for this mic because I can't hold this for an hour again. Yeah. You... This is ridiculous. Yeah. All right. That's it. We'll, uh, we'll see, you, see you cats on the next one. Bye, friends. Good to see you again. Bye.